Welcome to Preach Can't Preach with Rashad. Here in the episode of another sermon coming at y'all from 12 Ounce Sports. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you can hear us. What's going on, Rashad? What's good, man? Just having a good day, enjoying this nice weather, man. Yeah, definitely. I, I just got back from uh from the golf course, man. I had, had, had to hit a few things, man. Put some uh, people's faces on the balls before I hit them, you know, things of that nature. <laughs> uh, we got we got a guest, man, uh, Eric Crocker. Uh, he... You 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 on a lot of things. The crockreport.com, you you cover the four nines on fourth and nine dot com. You do a lot, man. What's going on? Oh man, I'm just chilling, man. Chilling like y'all. You know, I just moved I just moved uh to back to Arkansas to finish uh get my degree and everything. So uh man, I'm getting situated here, you know what I'm saying, at the crib, but it's different as hell, man. I was <laughs> gonna say you man, got... go, go ahead, K. I'm gonna uh, say you move in the middle of a pandemic, man. Yeah, it, you know, it was just the timing of everything. I, I, I just, I wanted to get situated before school starts and everything. And, and you know, uprooting my family and everything, I kind of wanted to get ahead. So this was something I had planned for the last year. So mm-hmm. it was like, I, I can't let the pandemic stop me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, just, I just had to do it. You moved from uh, what part of California? Or did you? Yeah, I, I'm from Stockton. So I, I've, I've lived there pretty much majority of my life, born and raised there. Um it's about like you know thirty minutes south of Sacramento, about forty five minutes from the Bay Area, um, which would be like east east of Stockton, but or west west of Stockton. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I'm from. Well, what's your degree in, man? Uh, health education. So I mean, I went to college to be a teacher, so I went the health education route. Mm-hmm. I have like college credits all over the place. So <laughs> what they're doing is they're giving me more of a it's called a in a disciplinary studies to where, gotcha. you know, I get my, uh, my bachelor's in different things with like an emphasis on a couple of oh. things. So I'm going more that route just to get the paper. And then from there, I'll go back and do, you know, a couple other things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, man, I, I'm, t- I'm tired of school, <laughs> but now I, I just, I just went into the, um, the scouting Academy. I don't know if you heard of that before with, uh, like Dan. Yeah. Norman. Yeah. So this is my like second time in, I got a couple more positions to get done. And uh, so far, I've been having a blast, but, you know, it does take a lot of hours, like, especially with all, you know, watching game tape and, and putting out reports and stuff like that. But, hey, it's all worth it, though, so. How, how do you like it? You know, um, I mean, because, like, somebody like me, obviously, I, you know, wide receivers, defensive backs, I know that. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that I have to learn, you know, just with how I present a scouting report mm-hmm. or, um, you know, even evaluating, you know, offensive line, defensive line, you know, different things that you probably learn while you know doing the whole right scout academy so kind of how is that i know i'm supposed to be you guys supposed to be interviewing yeah, me hey, no, now uh how uh, has that helped you you know what i'm saying with kind of how you see the game not just with those positions but right any any position in general yeah so um you know before i mean before this you, you always gotta have that kind of like context view like you you have to know what's going on and i feel like you know a lot of people like look at look at stats a lot and, and look at different things be like well you got to realize how people are being used. And this right here helped, helped me a lot, you know, whether, you know, we talk about quarterbacks so or who the best receivers in the game. Well, we got to look at how that team is going to use them, uh, 
what, what did they have surrounded them? Because, like, we, I was just watching um, uh, some Jamal Adams and just watching him, and it's a lot of times where they, you know, the, the defense was staying on the field a lot, and it's like, well, he doing his job, somebody missed their assignment, so now they stay on the field on third down. So it's like, man, it's like if, if the Jets have, you know, a better this, a better that, hey, they can be, you know, they can go somewhere. Uh, so it's, it's all the stuff, stuff, like, stuff like that that I'd be looking at and, you know, is it really somebody's fault? Well, let's look at somebody else. Like, did D-line do his job? And, and I think that's kind of opened my eyes a lot about um, about NFL. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who else? You got Lewis Riddick in it. Um, what's, the, uh, what's the coach? Wade Phillips was on it, but I think he, you know, because he got the job back now, so he, he don't really do it too much. But uh, it, it's, it's, it's a steady process, man. Uh, probably, the, like, 20 hours a week probably is if you want to go through to get through it fast enough, but also at a, at a good rate to know you not wasting your money, you know? Right. So, um, can, you, can you tell us about, um, about you getting to like, uh, you know, growing up playing, playing football and, and, and like your, your time in, in Juco and, you know, going to, uh, Monticello. Is that what, is that what you finished your degree up at? Yeah. Right. So can you tell us about a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, my, my path was different uh, than I'd say some people, a lot of people kind of deal with the same things. I had uh, academic issues early on. Uh, I only played five games my junior year, five games my senior year high school. So, you know, I wasn't like this big recruit or anything like that. Like nobody was recruiting me outside of a couple of junior colleges in the area. And um, and then after that, like I went to junior college, but I basically flunked out of there. And what drove me, I was out of, I was actually out of school for three years. And what kind of drove me to go back was like I was working in the warehouse. And I'm like, man, this, this ain't for me. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I worked a bunch of little different jobs, and eventually, um, I ended up going back to junior college. And uh, my my son had a big influence on that. And I went to junior college. They they helped me get back on track and everything. Modesto Junior College. Uh, from there, I ended up getting a scholarship. Uh, I had a bunch of offers, but I decided to go to Monticello. I had a bunch of Division II offers. I didn't have D1. I had a time clock or the grades to go to like a D1. But so I had a, a bunch of different Division II uh, offers. Um, went to Monticello, played two years there. Uh, went to went straight to the AFL. You know, I went to a Division II football school, so you know I kind of looked at it like, you know, I'm. Unless I run a blazing 40 time or something, like, right. you know, there ain't no NFL team really going to look at me or even CFL because a lot of it is political. And um, so I decided, you know, I had an opportunity. Somebody approached me with an opportunity to play in the Arena Football League. So I went straight there. And uh, from there, I, uh, I, I played the first year. I ended up starting every game as a rookie. I was the only rookie on the team that started every game uh, that, that year. Actually, Jerry Brown, RIP, RIP, Jerry, Jerry Brown. Jerry Brown was starting, but he ended up um, leaving and going to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and then uh, after the year, I ended up signing with the Jets. So that was kind of how, like, that kind of all, you know, transpired and whatnot. There's a lot of little stuff in between. Right. I don't really want to, if <laughs> I get it. too far, man, we'll be on here for three hours, man. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, there was a lot. There was a lot that kind of – a lot of different things that tried to take me off of this path and that path, and I had – different, you know, distractions and all that. And I had to try to figure out my own little avenue in my own little way, right. kind of get back on track, you know what I'm saying? With, without the guidance of having, you know, a dad, you know, around me all the time or anybody that knew anything about 
the process of recruiting and all that. Like I ain't had none of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I had no help with anything. So, you know, you you live and you learn, and now I kind of just devote my time to helping youth, and hopefully they they don't have to go through the same things that I did. At least not alone. Go ahead, kid. Yeah, I would say man, that that's 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 great to hear because you know a lot of a lot of guys that I, I know who you know they uh, for example I'm from Augusta, Georgia, so uh, you know a guy like William Avery, he went to Duke, uh, played in the league a little bit, and now he's back home and he's helping you know helping the youth and, and and showing them hey this is how you get here you know this do do this and not this you know and I I think I think uh, shout shout out to you man for that because uh, I know a lot of kids probably definitely look up to you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but you know what, though? I think that sometimes there are a lot of kids that, that you can see they get a lot out of it and, and, and they really appreciate it. I think at times now, especially now with, the with you know, trainers and all that, 707, I think these guys like, you know, myself that maybe played and have a lot to offer to the kids and can help them and stuff, I think we've almost become too accessible to where they see it so much mm -hmm. that they don't really appreciate it and really – put all of, you know, really put all that. I, I, I try not to look at it as if I were them, but, you know, if I were them at their age, it's like, man, like, I have this guy, you know, he's able to help me. I can call him whenever. I can talk to him whenever. I can train with him whatever, whenever. And, like, you know, oh, okay, you, you're out there five days a week. I'm out there five days a week. Like, I love that. But now you don't you don't get that as much. Um, I think I think just guys are just so accessible to, to a lot of kids that, they don't take advantage of it when they are around us. Yeah, I'm glad you went away, man, because that's my, my main question of, like, who did, you know, considering your own family situation and how you're saying, you know, now with so much access to social media and just some people take that for granted. So who did you look up to? Like, who was your inspiration and motivation for, you know, when you were growing up? Like, I want to be like that guy. I'm going to follow and study this person. Uh, You know, it was – I had an uncle that, that really had a strong influence on me, at, at least introducing the game to me. I um, mean, he played football at like a Division three school. He actually had, I mean, he got recruited by everybody, but same thing. I think he had like, I don't know, he, he'll tell you he ADHD and learning disability. He'll tell you all this. I don't know what's true or what's not. But I do know he was recruited by like Herm Edwards, like all D1s all, all around. Um, he ended up going to junior college route and I don't know, some weird, I don't know. But he ended up at a Division three school. That was the only person that really influenced me. Uh, from a sense of like, oh, and my big brother. My my brother was good. He was an all-state corner, but he he didn't have grades. He didn't have he didn't have none of that either. So, um, you know, I, my influences a lot of them came from TV. Outside of my uncle and kind of my brother, like kind of looking up to my brother, TV man. You know, watching Deion Sanders. Um, you know, later on in life, watching like Antonio Camardi because he was a you know bigger corner like myself. So a lot of it came from just watching them and. You know, again, I, I didn't have somebody I could just go to mm -hmm. and and work with. Like, you know, I had to I had to watch YouTube when YouTube came got bigger and kind of watch like, okay, okay, Cromartie, let me watch Cromartie's highlights. And then, and then I, you know, I watched a ton of football. Then that that would motivate me to go outside and try to you know duplicate those things that they were doing, whether it's catching the ball on the sideline or whatever. I think that's what these kids are missing now, man. I think they're missing a lot of that, like. Oh man, like I just they don't watch football, so it's like they don't. Oh, I saw this on TV. Okay, ooh, okay. I, I'm gonna go outside and try to do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you you don't you don't get that now from these kids because they don't play outside really, and then they don't really watch a ton of football. 
Yeah, it's so, so many avenues of like, you know, Amazon, Prime, and Hulu, Netflix. There's so many other avenues of things to watch. They don't really just watch the game like that. That right, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's a different, it's a totally different area now. But yeah, when I was growing up, it was anything I can kind of grasp onto that was football related or even basketball at that time, I, I love right. basketball. Um, I you know, I was on it, man, and I was just trying to do what they were doing. So that that kind of really a lot of times was my influence. But even within that, I didn't truly think that I could like I I I I'd see I'd see the you know the pro football players, I'd see um all that, but since I didn't see that around me, I didn't really think it was possible for me. So nobody ever told me, which we probably do this all the time with kids now, like, hey man, you're good. Like if you focus on school, you focus on football, like you can go far, you can get a college education. Nobody ever told me that. Not one time. Damn. So like in the back of my head, even though I know I'm different a little bit, I know I'm talented, but nobody ever really put their arm around me and was like, hey man, like you still on the right track, man. You can do this and yeah, that. Nobody gave you the vision. Yeah, so I never had it. So it was just like, you know, I kind of just went through school, like whatever. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Went to junior college, kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. Until the second year when I was a little bit more mature. All right. Uh, so getting into your, uh, you know, everything you do now is crop report. Can, can you explain, like, as far as, like, uh, I know you do a lot of scouting and stuff like that on this site. I, did, I, did, I checked it out. Um, first of all, one, can, can, I, can I get on the team? <laughs> can I, can I get to it on the team because uh you know scout scouting is something I I really want to get into I always wanted to be like uh, a general manager like whatever I do like I went to I went to school for like uh, industrial engineering and everything's about me is like trying to find trying to find ways to be better at something like the next time you do it and you know and that's just how my mind works so that's kind of where I've been wanting to go and which is why I got into the scout academy so can you tell can you tell us about the, the Crocker report man yeah so man how that came about man like. I say um, a few years ago, I, 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 you know, obviously I'm watching football. I love watching football. I'm watching 49. I'm a 49 fan. So I'm watching the Niners, and um, Dante Jackson did something, right? And people were just like, oh, he's such or, or Rashard Robinson. It was Rashard Robinson at that time. It was like, oh, he never looks back. He never does this. So what I started doing was I started recording the clips with my cell phone and just kind of explaining what was going through your cornerback's mind because, you know, I played the position. I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly how he's – what he's thinking. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I would record the little clips on my phone, you know, put it up to the TV, record it, and just explain, like, this is what was going on. This is what he's playing. Okay, oh, maybe he could have did this different or did, did this a little bit better right here, little step. And back then, it, it's kind of blew, blown up fast, people doing that, but you didn't really see that right. a few years ago. Like, when I first did it, I, I didn't really know anybody else that was doing it. So um, I just started kind of doing that where I just record a clip, uh, you know, that people would be kind of outraged about on Twitter. And um, believe it or not, man, like kind of one thing led to another. I ended up talking about football more. I ended up talking about um, the 49ers more. And I started having people reach out to me like, hey, man, uh, you know, do you want to write for my blog? And initially I was like, nah, man, I ain't no writer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I talk football with you all the time, but I'm just not a writer. And then another person um, approached me, uh, my guy Dylan DeSimone, and um, he had fourth and nine. So that's when you see fourth and nine. And fourth and nine, it was, you know, he maybe had a thousand followers, maybe. I don't know. But he had a blue check. He was verified. He was like, hey, man, like, this is my background. I've done editing and stuff for CSNBC, Sports Bay Area, whatever. Um, I've edited for these people, which were like big uh, 49er beat writers. And he was like, you know, I want to start my own 
platform or on blog. I have one, but I, I don't have anybody to push it with me. It's just me. Are you? Do you think that we can do this? And if so, like you know, I'll help you with this stuff. And then I gave him the same answer, like, bro, I'm not a writer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he was like, don't worry about it. I'm the writer. You just write what you see and and all that, and I'll format it into an article. And it turned out I was a little bit better writer. And then I gave myself credit, but I'm still not a writer. I'm not good like that. <laughs> uh, but he makes me look. He made me look good. Well, one thing led to another man that started getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, he kind of saw the impact that I had on his his site. And um, from there, we just kept pushing out content, pushing content, writing about different articles. It's just me and him really pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And um, before you know it, boom, like, you know, I get credentialed as a member of the media to go to, you know, 49ers training camp, which was like, how like right you know what i'm saying yeah, like yeah. it's crazy. Right? And so you know so i'm trying to be cool about it right i'm just taking <laughs> you know I'm trying to be yeah, hella yeah. cool really they don't know like i'm a real one from stockton like oh you know what i'm saying like this ain't i'm not like these media people you feel me but um so i had to like i had to like okay just play the part like just play the part so i went in there you know i just did my thing and but you know you could tell people they respected that they respected that i was different you know what I'm saying? Like they knew that where I came from because a lot of them started following me on Twitter. I'm talking about like other, like the main beat writers and stuff like mm. that for the Niners. Um, so that was kind of how I got like my foot in, in the door in that in that type of avenue. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, but even then, like I, I since then I've been credentialed 49er games, like I remember the media in like four games last year, like up in the booth and everything is pretty dope. But um it, even even more so than that, I started kind of getting a lot of love from media people in general you know what i'm saying like so you know i just the more i talked about football and the more people kind of really respected my perspective on things the more they were like you know what like we can really rock with this dude right and um they followed me they love my content i mean i get all kind of dms um and i have a few different things that i'm trying to do with the crocker report I, i'll get into it in a second but um i i had a bunch of people Kind of just, hey man, like you know, it's getting bigger and bigger. My following I, in the last few years, it went from like two thousand, three thousand to like twenty one thousand. Like you know what I'm saying? And it just started growing more and more. It's probably grown like on over ten thousand like the last year for sure, for sure. And um, a lot of it is just people that just love football content. So how the Crocker Report came about was is like, okay, I got my 49ers uh, stuff that I do. But I just want to talk about football, and I have different fan bases because people call me all the time to go on podcasts. So, you know, I'm going on all these different podcasts. I mean, Packers, Vikings, all these different podcasts, uh, radio stations calling me and stuff, whether it's in the Bay Area, all over. So my following started growing from a bunch of different teams. Mm -hmm. So now I was like, okay, I just need to talk about football more so than just 49ers. Um, so from there, I was like, you know, I need my own avenue on, uh, of doing this. And I really love doing it, but I, I just was like, ah, this whatever. Until people kept asking me, like, hey, do you have somewhere where I can go to read all your articles? And at that time, I'm like, no, you can go on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and if it's not on the 49ers, you could just read my thoughts if you just type in my name, like, and type in your team or that player, and you'll probably get some of my thoughts on that guy. But from there, I was just like, you know what? Why not? Why not try to take it to the next level? Like, why not get more? professional with this why not uh yeah take it to the next level so from there that was how the crocker report uh started now when i first initially thought about the crocker report it was just me and mine like i just had just me like man nobody gonna like it. 
rock with me like that. You know right. what I'm saying? So I'm just like, I'm just gonna do this on my own, write articles, whatever, and be cool. But before I know it, you know what I'm saying? I had put out, hey, um, is anybody interested in joining, you know, Crocker Report? This is what I'm doing. Um, you know, and I just want like a little small team, like, you know, me and five dudes. And I'm talking about five dudes, including like an editor, including a video guy, and me and maybe a couple other writers. Keeping it simple. Yeah. yeah. And goddamn, I, I ended up with like 200, over 200 DMs with people. And I never thought that that would, you know what I'm saying, people would want to rock with it like that. Right. So then I'm like, okay, I got to really go through this. I got to start reading people's, you know, messages and their, their backgrounds and different things, man. And I kind of went through it. And I have about 10, 10 writers, a couple editors, a video guy, you know, and right now we're in the beginning stages. I think the toughest thing for me was I launched it right at a time where I was in between moving. I had to drive out here, move a bunch of stuff, drive back to California. And then I'm here for a couple of weeks. I'm still tightening things up and then boom, drive back to Arkansas. So I, it was, is it, I launched it at a time where I'm like, I'm extremely busy. So I personally haven't been able to put a lot into it, but I do have a, a really good group of guys and um, they've been put, put, putting out content and stuff. And I think what they're doing is is really good. And it, I think it's only going to grow from there. I, I think the aspect, because I've been so busy, I haven't been able to focus on yet is I'm adding like a, a, a tab for coaching and there's going to be, uh, that's something that they'll have to subscribe to. And then from there, you know, they'll be able to, uh, uh, There'll be a bunch of drills. So any football player, I get a bunch of DMs like, hey, do you have drills for this or drills for that? Or with these coaches or players, they'll have a whole library of drills to choose from. And, and it'll be like great, you know, great explanation, detail, and all that. Um, also, there's going to be a consultation thing where they can um, pay to get them their, their video, their film, and, you know, broken down and doing write-ups on them. You know what I'm saying? Because I get a lot of people asking me, hey, like D1 guys, everybody like, hey, can you do one on me? Like, can you do one? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, you know, if that's what people want to see, if not, like, oh no, but you know what I'm saying? You're gonna pay for it, like, all right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, that's another avenue. I haven't got that up stuff up and going just yet, but it's coming. But now I'm really proud of it, man. Just kind of doing something I love doing it. And uh I have aspirations of of even making that like a a, a um credential. Uh, thing where, you know, Croc Report's at the Senior Bowl. Croc Report is at, you know, training camp for the Dallas Cowboys. Croc Report's here and there, you know, where yeah. I have different writers writers that can walk into training camps with their credentials, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a big part of it. Because I've done it. Like, I've just been the guy that just walked into the training camp and eventually to a game. So I know there's a lane for it and people respect your your work. Mm. And, and I know I've kind of rambled on, but that's kind of what I want to do with the Croc Report. Oh no! Yeah, you're good, man. Uh, I got two questions for you. What, growing up in Stockton, not too far from the Bay Area, what led to you becoming a 49ers fan? Why not, you know, Oakland, which is not too far either. So, what led to you becoming a 49ers fan? And the second question is, uh, your position is DB. What, of course, you know, size, height, things like that, kind of play a part in it. But what were you chosen? Did you choose to play DB, or were you kind of just pushed into the position by a coach or somebody like that? Um, first out, you know, I talk about how I became a 49er fan. Um, I remember I was like five years old and I asked my mom, like, mom, what's your favorite, 40, what's your favorite team? And she was like, 49ers. And I was like, all right, I'm a 49er fan. So that was how, that's literally how I became a 49er fan. I like fan. it. Like, my mom was a fan and it could, I'm glad I didn't ask my dad that because he was a Redskins fan. Um, my uncle that I looked up to, he's a Cowboy fan. My, my brother ended up being a Cowboy fan like him. 
So I'm glad I, I asked the right person because I love, you know, 49ers. Um, uh, so aside from that, cornerback, uh, you know, I, I, I got, when I got recruited to junior college, they asked me like, cause I was killing, I was able to, you know, ball at both. I, I think I was just as good a corner or receiver as I was cornerback. And I got asked like, you know, which one you want to be in. And I looked at the, the receiver, the room and I'm just like, all right, I'm looking at all these dudes and they all kind of look like me. You know what I'm saying? 6'1", 6'2". At that time, you know, like 170 pounds. Yeah. But when I look at the DB room, it's like, you know what? Like, I am a cornerback because I move very well. But I look different than these dudes. You know, I'm taller, but I'm just as athletic and stuff. And this was at a time, you know, you didn't have the Richard Shermans and stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Or, or even the Cromarties like that. Just, yeah, I think Cromartie was just kind of coming into the league. But being a bigger corner wasn't like a popular thing. But I just kind of looked at it as, you know what, like playing corner, I look different than these guys. Maybe that would make me stand out a little bit. So I really didn't make the full-on transition to corner until I got to junior college. But that was kind of the logic behind it. Just kind of I look different, and I and I feel like I'm just as athletic. So maybe that can help me stand out a little bit more. And that was kind of what made me make that decision. That's smart as hell. <laughs> smart. Um, getting get into the 49ers. So you know they so Rashad picked these guys. So we we do um, after we go through all the breakdowns of the teams for the upcoming season, we pick a surprise team that we think come out of nowhere and, and dominate. So uh, my choice was the Buffalo Bills last season. I mean they did pretty good. I mean what they 10, did good, yeah. 10 and six. They almost beat the Patriots twice. You know had a good shot. So um, but Rashad picked the 49ers. and we you know when we talk about the Rams who just went to the Super Bowl, you talk about Seattle who's always been consistent. Did you see? Did you see the the same thing Rashad saw as far as like man, Fort Niners, We they could be in this. I mean, granted, Super Bowl was kind of maybe maybe a little too far, but it's like this this team could be really really special. Uh, I, I think if you ask Forty Nine ers obviously you don't know that they're gonna have that level of success. But if you ask any Forty Nine er fans, just like from a realistic standpoint, you saw that they were headed in the right direction. You saw that the coaching was right. You could tell even from the first year because the first year. Niners won six games. You know, that was when uh, Garoppolo finished the season strong. 49ers won five straight games. But even more so than those five straight games, they finished with six wins that year. They had lost. There was five straight games that they lost by three or less points. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, the way I looked at it was if they just had a player or two, then those can be wins. Now, Mm -hmm. Now, if you add those five wins, that's an 11-win season. You know what I'm saying? So that's how close I felt like they were, but they just need a little bit of something to put them over the top. And then, obviously, the next year, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, um, and they sustained a lot of injuries. So then this year, it was like, you know what? You you see them add Tevin Coleman, and you see them add D Ford, and they drafted Bosa, and you're looking at it, and it's like, if they can just stay healthy, which they didn't, but if they could right. just stay healthy <laughs> – like, you know, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo plays all 16 games, they should they should be in a really good position. And, you know, whatever that is, you know, that could have been a, a nine-win season or that could have been a 10 or 11. Like, we know it's hard to win in the NFL, but it looked like they were heading in the right direction. And um, I think the results of it, what we saw was a team that kind of, they everybody kind of gelled together. They were clicking in. If you kind of been around, like kind of paying attention to the 49ers, the locker room, the camaraderie, how much they fight for their coach, how much they love those guys, and you know, 
Then Jimmy Garoppolo, good leader. George Kittle, great leader. Like, um, you saw they were heading in the right direction. And and I think last year was just a uh, that was just everything kind of everything coming together. And it's kind of the same thing I saw. I was like, I think they can be a ten or eleven win team because once Jimmy got there, he kind of just ignited something. We know quarterbacks very important. So like I said, he won the five straight games, and then the next season, if he didn't get hurt, I thought they could have at least been an eight nine win team that year. But like you said, they got everybody. For the most part, 70, 80% healthy this past year. And of course, the trait for Emmanuel Sanders, and they, they took off. And I don't think that we've seen the best of them yet. You know, I, I think, and it might not reflect on the record. Like, I, I think, you know, the 49ers could win 11 games this year and still be better than the 13 win team last year. Uh, I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo can still improve. Uh, I, I think, you know, you're going to see a better, you know, Debo Samuel, uh, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of different plays that I think they, they the O line can play a little bit better. I really like the acquisition of, of Trent Taylor. Uh the defense, you know, these are a lot of guys that have kind of been in this system and now the the back end they've seen it kind of okay, this is how it's gonna look. And the linebacking core is really good. I think the team can actually be even better than they were last year, for real. Yeah, me and Kev were just talking about that. He was like, you know, even though that was my team last year, like he was asking what what growth can I see y'all? It's like, man, they can probably win 11 games and still win the Super Bowl because, like, you know, when you win 13 games on the, the regular season side, it's only, like, three ways to improve, you know, 14, 15, 16 wins. And in the NFL, that's just not realistic. So, I mean, I was like, you can win 10, 11 games and still make growth in other areas that will help you get back to right. the Super Bowl and ultimately win it. Right. So not correct. What do you feel about uh about Jimmy J? I feel like uh I follow a couple of Fort Niners fans and it's kind of a you know fifty fifty decision on them like whether they like because like to me so I'm a Vikings fan so you know as far as like quarterbacks my team has never had that QB stability to where you can have uh a, a guy like Tom Brady play fifteen plus years or Peyton Man played for so long for one team and I always try to tell Vikings fans like y'all want to crap on Cousins all you want. But at least he's he, this is it'd be a third year starting in a row. We ne- we haven't had that since Dante Culpepper. Like that's a long time. Yeah, and, Brad Johnson or right, something. <laughs> it, right, it's, it's hard to have a, a a good quarterback that stays the quarterback for a while and you still win games. And we talk about you know Kyle Shanahan. You can saw when he had um, Beathard and uh, Mullins, the team was still good, and all it needed was a, a a guy, a good guy to him. And Jimmy G, I always say that he got that was his fault of getting hurt because he wanted to. Uh, you know, do some kind of shimmy move or something instead of getting out of bounds, you know. But, you know, it, it's still like I've tried to people like, man, you got to understand who your quarterback is. And he don't he, he don't have to be a Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson when you have the team that you have. A Jimmy, a Jimmy G can win the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, with Jimmy, yeah, I think there are a lot of people that are split on him. I, I think sometimes you see like – I think a lot of times it's way too drastic this way or way too drastic this way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like – Whereas, like, you got people that think he's great or you have people that just think he's super overrated. And I think he's somewhere in the middle. I, I think he's closer to being – not saying he's great, but I think he's closer that way than being, you know, overrated or whatnot. Um, I think he does what he's supposed to do. I think we saw a similar play as you guys did with Kirk Cousins where maybe he's not always going to be the reason, but you're going to see a lot of reasons as to why he is the starting quarterback. And I think that's the same thing with Jimmy. I think – the, the thing that so far has separated Jimmy from Cousins early in his career, and obviously we've seen that change a little bit with Cousins, is being able to win the big games. Now, obviously, he didn't win the biggest game, but there were several games this year 
where the 49ers had to lean on Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, not an entire season's worth or anything like that, but enough to where he was a big part of the reason why the 49ers won 13 games. And there are games where they didn't need him. And that's a big salute to the way that John Lynch has built this team, a solid defense and really good run after catch guys, right? But when he when he was called upon, he he usually came through in the clutch. There was just two times, really just one time, um, the Super Bowl where he kind of didn't. Um, maybe you could point to the, the the Seahawks game on Monday Night Football where you know you could tell his clock was kind of sped up a little bit and he threw some bad passes. But even then, they were in field goal range when it when the clock was you know getting ready to run out and the kicker just shanked it. Um, but for the most part, man, I think Jimmy G. I like him. Uh, 49ers, you've talked about the Vikings not having stability at quarterback. 49ers really haven't either outside of, you know, maybe a year by of Colin Kaepernick. Um, maybe a solid season from Alex Smith. Before that, I mean, there were guys, J.T. O'Sullivan, Sean Hill. Uh, Jeff Garcia. <laughs> Garcia. But even Garcia was way – That's I mean, that was like 2000. Yep. Two, early 2000s. Three, yep. <laughs> two, you know, that was early years. So, like, be- between that time and – even, I'd say about until 2011, when Harbaugh took over with Alex Smith, we had a lot of inconsistent quarterbacks. And even then, it wasn't – they didn't start for a whole lot. And then all of a sudden, it was over with, and now they're trying to find their way. I think Jimmy – I think Jimmy's solid. Um, I, just, I, 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 I hope that he can have a little bit more of a grasp on the offense. You think that that would come with experience in the offense? Mm-hmm. If he can do that, I think he's fine. And I think for what he is, which is – a high level game manager, I think he's I think he's good there. Yeah, we just did an article about some of the ten best QBs under the age of thirty and and uh we were talking about how, you know, another year under Kyle Shanahan could help him get more comfortable with the, the decision making and they of course make the trade for the offensive line and stuff like that. So he that's could take deal. I think that's yeah. something that people don't don't really, you know, understand. Like a quarterback, it's like I have to know exactly what everybody's doing. So when you see a guy like Tom Brady, you know what I'm saying, or Drew Brees, who have played for the same – well, not Tom Brady now, but, you know, throughout his career. Right. Tom Brady and Drew Brees, who have played for the same coaches for several years, even, even you know, I know Bill Chick's a, a defensive guy, but even with Jeff uh, uh, McDaniels or, uh, yeah, whatever, yeah, McDaniels. Uh, that's been his offensive coordinator. Even He left for a little bit. He ended up coming back. Like, that's been his co- coordinator. So he understands exactly to a T what, what his coordinator wants. Same with Drew Brees. Drew Brees can line up, and he knows he th- he's thinking exactly like his coach. Everything his coach is thinking when when that defense lines up, Drew Brees is thinking that as well. Now these are high level Hall of Fame guys, so I don't want to compare them to, right. to you know Jimmy G. But I'm just saying in the sense of just having a, a grasp of what exactly your coach expects. When you haven't been in an offense like that, and it's a little bit more complicated, um, like like Shanahan runs, sometimes you know it's. You just want to get to the line and, man, I hope I know what everybody's doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then from there, you know, you kind of get – once you get a grasp on that, now you can start man- manipulating the defense a little bit more, maybe with your eyes. Sometimes we've seen him throw a right to linebackers, right? And it's like – because he doesn't really know how – he's just trying to grasp the offense. He can't even manipulate the defense at a high level yet. But once he really grasps the offense – and now he just knows, like, okay, he's doing this, he's doing that. All right, cool. So I'm just going to look this guy off a little bit or come here. Oh, right there. You know, once he gets that down, then, you know, I think you can even see his, 
you know, talent. You can see him raise his game a little bit more. I still think he's more of a right now, like you know, I, I don't think he's like a super talented quarterback in the sense of like a, you know, like a Mahomes or like you know, even like a Jameis Winston. Somebody with these guys that have like big arms, they make all these like downfield. I don't think he's that guy, but I think he can be really high level consistent um, if he grasps a little more. Yeah, and, and you can see how the the team being built. That's why you get the guys. You already have to catch guys. You got Kittle as your best player who don't have to be the down-the-field type of guy. So it's, it's all – everybody got to work in unison. That's and that's why you – Rashad saw the 49ers being a great team. And, you know, and do you do you think they kind of have like – you know how the NFC is when, when you lose a Super Bowl, that, that team is kind of hard for them to get back. Do you, do you see any – if you, if you had to be a, a negative Nancy for the, for the 49ers, like what's a way that they don't get back to – to dominance? I mean, obviously, you know, the first thing you, you think about is injuries. Um, but I think even outside of injuries, uh, I, I just think other teams get good too, right? right? Like there's a saying in football, like, hey, you know, if I give up a play, it's like, hey, that guy gets paid just like you get paid. You know what I'm saying? And I think uh, as the case in the NFL, like teams get better, teams get worse. Obviously, I think the 49ers are built right now to, to be good over the next few years. But even then, there's going to be other teams. You know, they got the Cowboys on the on the rec, uh, on the schedule. Cowboys didn't make playoffs last year. That's a team that can beat some teams. You know what I'm saying? So, right. you know, these teams they get paid too. And I, I think you know, just if some teams kind of catch them slipping a little bit, um, you know, I I think it can be a few game swing. Uh, so yeah, if I had to if I had to guess, it's just you know, just other teams getting good as well. Yeah, NFC is talented, man. There's a lot of good teams in the NFC. So I'm glad you let him sit there because that's my, my question too. Like, do you still see the 49ers as the favorite in the NFC? Because, you know, the Cowboys made improvements. And, of course, they they watched Aaron Rodgers in both games last year, like, and made <laughs> making them improvements. So do you think Green Bay could maybe right some of their wrongs or the Eagles could take a step if healthy? Like, what do you see the 49ers stacking up as far as, like, the NFC projects going into the season? Yeah, I, I think I think they should be right right there in the mix uh, as the best team in the NFC. Uh, you know, ultimately they they've lost two guys for the most part that they haven't. Well, I don't even want to say that they didn't replace, but they've lost a few guys. Right, you lost Daly, um, but you replaced him with Trent Taylor. So that's I mean Trent Williams. You probably got even better there. Right, right. Okay. So um, and then now the other two positions that you kind of lost are. You lost Emmanuel Sanders and his veteran leadership, and you replaced him with Brandon Ayuk, a, a young guy who has a lot of talent, but he doesn't even get an offseason really. And then you lost, you know, DeForest Buckner, which basically was a cap casualty move, and you brought in uh, Kinlaw. You know, uh, uh, yeah, Kinlaw, yes, Von Kinlaw from South Carolina. Yep, and uh, and now you know he's brought in to play that position. So you you got high level talented guys to replace a couple guys that you lost. Uh, we'll see how that works out. But outside that, the rest of the team is exact same. So I do think that they still should be the big dogs in in the NFC, and they should be uh, the teams that, you know, people are gunning for. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, as far as how they stack up against the, the rest of the talent, I think they're just as talented as any team in the NFL. Just speaking of big dogs, George Kittle, you saw him today come out with the uh... – you know, by his contract and stuff like that, and he wants to set the market for tight ends. So I was kind of like looking at the tight ends market, and you know, it's kind of it's kind of surprising that we always talk about running backs, and me and Rashad are advocates about you know 
not paying running backs because we've seen the, so many examples about it. But tight end, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a little different when you think about it. And you got Kelsey, he's making under $10 million, But if Kittle's talking about setting the market, we're talking about, you know, Austin Hooper just got paid, I think, $10 million. Hunter Henry's on a franchise tag of $10.6 million. Uh, so when it, when it comes to Kittle contract, do you, how, how much is too much um, for a tight end? But you got to think, I mean, Kittle's one of the best blockers, one of the best receiving tight ends. He can do a lot of different things. So are, are you know, it's, it's it, how, how much is too much? And there's like, man, is this guy that we probably can't let go either? Yeah, I think when when you when it comes to Kittle, man, it's tough because it's like the value, right? And you you kind of alluded to a lot of things that he does, and he doesn't just do these things like very well. Like he does them at an elite level. So when you're talking about run blocking, like the 49ers entire offense goes through George Kittle. Yep. So whether it's a run, a lot of times they run off of his ass. You know what I'm saying? And when he's playing, they average or runs to his side, they average like almost six yards a carry compared to away from him or he's not playing is like down to three. You know what I'm saying? So like that just shows his importance in the run game. And then obviously we've seen in the passing game where um, 2018, he, he led all of football in yards after catch, which is usually a running back stat because they catch the ball at the line of scrimmage and they get yards. But he led all of football in that, you know what I'm saying? By a large margin, like by like a couple hundred yards or something crazy like that. And then, um, and then, uh, and he also, what well, he also broke the record for most yards in the season by a tight end. Uh, so you know what type of receiving tight end he is. And now when you couple that with the blocking, and then you have, he's the face of the 49ers. Like a lot of people you would think is the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, like it's not. Like he's your best receiver. He's your number one receiver. He's your best tight end, probably best tight end in the league. And then he's arguably one of your best blockers and your entire offense runs through him. I don't think there's any amount that's too much for him. He's definitely going to reset the market for a tight end. If it's at 10, I'd expect him to get way above that. Um, I know a lot of 40 yard fans are probably already turning on him because they're like, no, tight end should get paid this much. If he doesn't want this, then he needs to go. Like, I'm really seeing that on Twitter. I'm like, you guys are out of your mind. Uh, dude, if I'm him, like, I, I, I don't take anything less than $17 million a year. Maybe even 18. And even then, I'm not playing until I get this contract done because he 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 plays every play like it's his last play. Like every play. Like he he plays like it's his last. Like if you watch him, he doesn't take a play off. So he gets beat up a little bit. You see him, he had a torn rotator cover or something. He's playing with a shoulder harness. He plays with rib protect. Like he's playing with all this stuff, but he still gives his all. But if I'm him, I'm not. I'm not risking any more wear and tear on my body until you guys give me some long-term security. So I wouldn't even step foot on the field this year until I got that contract done, and it would be a huge contract if I'm George Kittle. That's the receiver money you're talking about. Yeah, and I think that's what he deserves. Because <laughs> if you look at it right, you look at guys that say like Odell Beckham. That's one of my favorite players. Mine too. All right, you get you know you got twelve, thirteen hundred yards last year, or whatever, whatever he got. All right, well, Kittle's not too far off of that and his impact in the run game and how everything works off him. And sometimes he even stays in just as in like a uh, goddamn uh, tackle. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I do more than you, but my and my receiver production is getting up there with you. Why shouldn't I get paid as much as this guy? I demand attention. I demand uh, 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 double coverage. I demand you to put a coverage guy on a tight end where I'm really a mismatch 
if you put the wrong type of guy on me. They try to put Buda Baker. You can't cover him with a linebacker. You got to watch if you put his safety. They start having uh, Jalen Ramsey follow him. So it's like I'm 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 uh, demanding attention like a wide receiver one. So you guys are gonna have to pay me. Maybe not receive wide receiver one, one money like we've seen with Michael Thomas and Julio getting over twenty million. But I need close to it, or I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking at contracts, man, and we talking about he's the fourth fourth highest tight end on his own team. That's right. That that just already tell you where he's at. And then you got guys yeah. like uh, Tyler Coughlin from my Vikings, and he barely plays. He, he he's only making six hundred eighty five a year. So you know, kiddos aren't making anything. So yeah, yeah. it's kind. It's kind. I need my chick. Yeah, he need it. <laughs> it's it's kind of like man. What I mean, seventeen. I'm I'm just trying to think of the you know, guys on your team and where you're playing, which is reasons why you trade Buckner away. Um, it's probably why D four probably won't come back. I heard about him; he probably won't come back at the next season. I'm thinking, um, you know, you got you got to be able to you know put put your money in the right spots. And I'm pretty sure John Lynch already already will ahead of that, ahead of us on that one because uh, like you said, Kittle is the face, and you need you got to take care of that. Retool, right. don't rebuild. Right. Right, yeah. So, see, like my team, my my offense run through Davin Cook, and I I, I know we got to pay him, but it's like we already paid Peterson one time. We saw that worked out before. Davin Cook had like ten yards against the Niners in the in the divisional round playoff. So if I'm the Vikings, like I'm using hey. that game. Like, look, if you <laughs> right. wanted to pay you all these bread, and you want to be the reason, but you had ten yards in the divisional round playoff game. Hey, that, that can't happen. That offense alone, we got destroyed. Like. <laughs> at first, I was at first during the game. I was like, "Man, we got a chance. We we right there. I think fourteen to ten at halftime. Come out. You got George Kittle out here destroying everything. Griffin on block. I was like, "Well, we know we're not going to win that game. There's no way." But yeah, it was, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're right, man. It's it, it's it's crazy because like you, it's like we, it's all as as fans, it's all fun to see these guys. But when it comes to a contract, that's where everybody's like, "Oh, that's too much," you know. And you you got you got to be able to think of both sides. You got to think of the GM side and players like. He wants his money for everything he's done. Like you said, put his life on the line every every single week. It's, it's time to get paid, like because uh, being being under six hundred thousand his whole career, and you the best player at your position, arguably, it's it's time. And the best player on your team. It's time. It's not close. It's time to pay up. <laughs> it's time to pay up. Yeah, it seems like fans don't really understand like how you know when guys get paid, how it works. You're getting paid for your past production and somewhat for future production too. So like it kind of all bounces out. Like you get four years of this guy at 500, 600K, and now he goes and gets the 14, 15 million. It all bouncing out because he's been performing like the tight end one that he is. Right, correct. Yep. That's facts. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, George Kittle's a monster, man. Yeah, Jesus. Um, now we're going to transition to like defensive backs. So you got you got one of the best deep backs I've ever seen in my life, Richard Sherman. Um, do do you still think he's still up there with the with with the elites of the elites now, or you think just the old age is bringing him down a little bit? I think his numbers say he is. And if you talk to Sherm, he which know, we've yeah. DM, we've exchanged DMs and stuff like that, you know, and he's like, you know, he's very confident in his abilities. Um, I think teams, based off of what I've kind of been seeing the last couple of years, they respect him still as that guy. Mm-hmm. When I watch him, I don't know if he's that guy. I mean, I know he, you know, he can be at any moment. You saw him getting an interception against uh, the Vikings in the divisional round playoffs. When I when I watch him, I'm really surprised that more teams don't run go routes on him. <laughs> right. Like um, the Super Bowl, he got he got killed in the Super Bowl on, on the go route. I think it was right. I'm surprised when teams like if I were a team, you know, I would say like, hey, if he's 
if he's lined up and pressed and he doesn't bail, just go. You know, mm -hmm. like that's something I would I would right. say. Um, but he's extremely smart. I think he has high level, like his intelligence part still makes him a, a factor. But I think from an ability standpoint, I think he's lacking just a, a little bit there. But obviously his his mind part still kind of keeps him a step ahead. Yeah, I about to say, Sherman is one of my favorite players uh, just, just because of that. Like, you know, for guys who aren't the the one of the 4-2s, the 4-3s, it's, it's kind of like it's, it's good to see somebody who, you know, don't have to and still and still be there, still be at the top of his game. Um, yeah, I feel like Sherman. Sherman's uh, when he plays like elite route runners. Like when you see him, you know, you know, versus my Viking when, when Diggs was there. Like Diggs throughout Diggs' career when he was in Seattle and now the Forty Niners, Diggs always had the upper hand against Sherman for the most part. And it's because you know route running, and you know just because you know you be able to change the race so fast, can Sherman keep up? But yeah, Sherman Sherman's still one of the best. And um, I, I don't I don't know if he's up there with the the Ramses and Gilmore's anymore, but like you said, teams still respect him. And I mean, watch you, you should because it's the reason why. So so one thing when when it comes to you know taller defensive backs and and I've kind of learned this just off of just really myself as well. It's just the way that we're built, right? Well, I'm not as tall as Sherman; he's six three. But when you have guys that are like really tall like that, your change of direction typically isn't going to be as good. I mean, just think about it like this, right? If you're somebody like Diggs, who's 5'11", 6 foot, and, you know, just his stride length in general, for every step he takes, it's typically shorter than someone like that's built more like Sherman, right. right? So if every stride that I take is shorter, then my steps for me to get from point A to point B are just going to be a little bit quicker than somebody that has more longer movement, you know what I'm saying? So when you have these tall, lengthy corners, and if you can get them going one way, and then you can go back the other way and change direction better, then – it's going to be a problem for that guy. That's why you don't see big guys in the nickel typically, right? You see smaller uh, corners there because, you know, they'll change the direction, mm -hmm. their foot, feet, their turnover, all that is going to be just as quick as the smaller guy that they're guarding compared to somebody on the outside that has longer movements. It, it just kind of limits you. And, it's, and there's not as much you can do about that. It's just kind of how these guys are built. Right. For every stride that this one guy takes that's bigger, the shorter guy is taking two. You know what I'm saying? So – that's for Sherman, a guy like Diggs is gonna give him trouble. Or any corner that's, you know, a six three guy, change of direction is not gonna be as good. His what's gonna help those guys is having great anticipation, which Sherman has had throughout his career. So that's probably helped him a lot against some guys like that. But even then, just because of the way they're built, it's it's just a tough matchup. Uh anytime you get a guy that's, you know, five eleven and under uh going up against a six three cornerback. I think the scheme helps a lot too because when you have Bosa up front, you have Buckner, D Ford, you have all these guys rushing the passer. It kind of helps him out in coverage too. He has more time to cover and get and find his, you know, find his man again while they're rushing the quarterback and getting the quarterback off his spot. No, nah, definitely. Um, I, you know, having a having a a, a defensive line like that to where you know in your head, you know, my clock doesn't have to be sped up. I can be a little bit more patient mm -hmm. with how I cover or how I'm reading concepts. And from there, it's like, you know what, I can get a jump on certain things because I know if the – it's like this, right? I, I learned in, in cover zero, um, you can play about five yards off because since everybody's – since you're blitzing, you're sending more guys than they can block, you know what I'm saying, with a zero blitz, the ball has to come out right now, right? right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so you know I can get off at about six yards and I can kind of sit and 
when he makes his break, I can jump. They don't have enough room time for a double move, right. and it has to be a route that's right now. Well, that's kind of like how it is playing with a fantastic pass rush in front of you, where it's like you don't got enough time to do all these double moves and all this stuff downfield. So I can kind of sit, relax a little bit, read some concepts, and if you are someone that understands concepts at the level that Richard Sherman does, which there aren't many that understand it to that point, but there are a lot of <laughs> smart corners in the league, um, I can kind of sit on some stuff and I can kind of uh, be a little bit more patient because even if I guess wrong, would you see him guess wrong sometimes? But the pass rush got you, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, it definitely helps to have a really good pass rush. helps kind of with how you have to play certain things. Uh, so, Rashad, I'm, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, what are your, like, top top five uh, DBs in the game? You can, you can include safeties in this if you want to because uh, a lot of these guys are, like, very versatile. So, All right, hold on. So, I made a list. Hold on. I made a list for you. Hold on. Uh, 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 here we go. All right, so so DBs. All right, so I have five. I got I got Jalen Ramsey. Um, mm-hmm. if you asked me a year ago, he probably would be a little bit higher, but you know, I really like his versatility. You know, I, I talked about the how is it mismatch sometimes with you know bigger corners uh, against smaller guys. That doesn't really matter for uh for Jalen Ramsey, like right. dude. And when you have somebody that is longer like that and can still move just as well as the smaller guys, and that's special. You know what I'm saying? And Ramsey has that special uh, in him from a physical, athletic standpoint and with just how he plays, his tenacity. He, he knows how to get into receivers' heads, and I think that really messes with their game because he talks all game. So <laughs> even even then, I think just his his production, um, the responsibility that he gets, I got to have – he's at number five for me. All right. Uh, at number four, I got Bayard from uh, Tennessee – which he doesn't get enough love, I don't think, as a safety like in this it. league. But all he does is just make plays, take away the ball, really smart. Like, like, and, and it's like nobody knows who he is. Like, I remember, <laughs> like, like last year or something like that, <laughs> Richard Sherman made a comment and was like, no, we do this, something, something. That's why you're on the couch. And I was like, no, dude, I just had eight interceptions. Like, <laughs> like in the NFL, what are you talking about? Like, but it's like, Dion didn't even know who he was. You know what I'm saying? And, Nobody talks about this dude, but I think he's tremendous and he's been very consistent yeah. as safety. So, you know, they always talk about, uh, you know, the the, uh, the Derwin James, you know, the guys that are a little flashier, maybe they were higher draft picks. But I think, uh, I, I mean, I really like him. Um, and then at uh, number three, I got Jamal Adams, which typically I would have like, I, I lean more towards just cover guys, especially like at safety and stuff. But I think Adams, he's a good combination of both, but he's so good in that box around this line of scrimmage blitzing, um, how his hustle, how he chases down uh, plays. And, I, I mean, he's he's good. So, <laughs> that's that's what I got at number three. At number two, Tyra Matthew. Um, I just said I leaned more towards, like, coverage guys. Uh, I think what he's able to do with his mindset and stuff like that, sometimes he might be a little wrong here and there. But for the most part, man, he makes teams pay. When people ask me about the Super Bowl, it's like, man, who are you most scared of? Is it Terry Hill? Is it Mahomes? It's like, nah, man, it's Tyron Matthew. Because he can, because Jimmy's prone to throw some passes where it's like, you know. Throw you know, some ducks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he's just a guy that would uh, take advantage of that. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, Matthew, man, he's a scary dude. Uh, when he when he lines up on that defense, his head is in there. He should have had, I don't know how many picks he had, but I know I saw him drop literally like five picks. Literally just like in his hands just dropped. So he could have had even more. But that just shows he's always in the right spots. It's no coincidence. So I got him at number two, um, which a lot of people probably disagree with me on that. But that's just kind of how I feel about it. I think he just changes the game way too much. 
and he's he can match up with guys. And then at number one, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, when you're a corner and you just can erase a receiver and it's to the point where it's like we don't even have to worry about this receiver, like that's just special stuff. Um, now, you know, there are some guys that had a good game on them. Um, I saw, I think, a couple of years ago it was Corey Davis. Um, last year, uh, Devontae Parker. But for the most part, he's in your ass. And I saw him, you know, we all watched the game, Packers against – I mean, uh, Patriots against the Cowboys, and he held Amari Cooper to – you know how many catches Amari Cooper had that game? Basically, basically nothing. I mean, it was like three catches, like 20 yards. Zero. He yeah, had zero. Like, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it was like – Prone to that's what That's what I do, you know what I'm saying? When I'm when I'm when I'm when I'm Gilmore, like I'm on you, just worry about these other guys. And I think just as a secondary, they play extremely well. The Patriots, but Gilmore, man, he that's some special stuff. It's it's high level. I don't want to compare him to like, you know, Revis and his prime or anything like that. But I think this last year was as good as pretty much anybody that you'll see for the most part, especially in today's game where it's super pass happy, um, and they call everything. So to be able to take a receiver out the game, I think it's even more important now. Fancy. First of all, be careful about calling Gilmore the best because Michael Thomas ain't going to like that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was – what was before we get – what was your opinion on that? I have my opinion on it, but what was your opinion? Man. <laughs> Man, MT, he got to sit down somewhere. Now, he get mad about everything. He got mad at Devontae Parker, mad at Gilmore. Like, dude, just sit down, man. <laughs> Wait, so he got mad at Gilmore? What did he say about to Gilmore? I, I saw the Michael Thomas – I mean, I saw the uh, Parker – Comments, you know, he's just like you know. He always think whenever somebody say the best, you know, he take offense to stuff like this. So it's just like, bro, just just chill out. He maybe he, you know he got that Michael Jordan in him where he just maybe he uses that as personal. fuel. <laughs> it's personal for him. It's like man, it's like any, any chance he get, he got to bring up that he was a second round pick. That's like, his fault though. Like he, you know, man, this guy was drafted before me, so I gotta I gotta kill him. I, I can understand that attitude, but it's like. All right, how many times you got to say it? Like, we, we know. Yeah, we, you tweeting about it and you're talking about it. You we know. know. We yeah. know a lot of teams messed up. Well, my, my, my fight gets messed up. We got Trey Will instead. We messed up. But, you know, I mean, like, like Rashad. I thought he was the best receiver in that class. You think I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't understand why he was, uh, like, people didn't like him as much. I mean, I saw 6'3", 215. He didn't run as well at the combine. He ran very well at his pro day. And I, I, I couldn't understand it, like, for the life of me, why. If you, he was falling, if you if you think about it, just the history of the NFL, if it, it feel like route runners are always devalued when it comes out to the draft prospect, like they they want they want the they want the go down the field guy and you know the flashy guy, the, the guy who can go down and, and go for four and four two. That's why you see John Ross go in the top ten, you know. So I I, I think that's probably why. And you know Ohio State, it's kind of like it's so many guys there. I just I just feel like they'd be like getting lost sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, now that was it was kind of crazy. I was hoping the Niners when the Niners traded up, I thought they were trading up to draft him, and they didn't. They drafted Josh Garnett, who's no longer on the Forty Nineers. So, so hey, we all, up. hey, we all messed up. Every team messed up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I legit was like, oh, they about to get Michael Thomas, and they did not. I was hurt. I was hurt. All right, Rashad, what you got? Well, of course, I got to go with Gilmore number one, like you said. I mean, he can just blanket a guy. He can eliminate you from the game. You know, basically shutting down one side of the field, similar to what Revis was doing in his heyday, similar to what Sherm was doing with uh, Seattle. He can just eliminate that one side of the, whatever side of whatever matchup you give Gilmore, whatever side of the field he's on. That's basically a, a no fly zone, pretty much. 
Uh, number two, I'm going Jamal Adams. What he does for the Jets is unmatched. He's a he's basically the anchor of their defense. And then number three, um, I like Minka Fitzpatrick, man. I'm a big fan of Minka. Um, what he added to that Steelers defense was was crazy. Like they took a whole another notch up, and I think if they had a better QB, they could have won 10, 11 games. But of course, with what they had, the defense kind of carried them. So I think Minka's number three. Uh, number four, I'm going Jalen Ramsey, who, when they were Saxonville, he was the best corner in the league. He had A.J. Green beating him up because he was shutting him out. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think Ramsey's uh, still an elite elite corner. He's going to probably break the bank with the Rams, probably going to get, you know, anywhere from 17 to 20 million with the Rams if they trade it for him. They can't let him go. And then number five, man, it's a tough one because I think you can go so many ways. You can go Honey Badger. You can go Tredavious White. You can go – Darius Slay, but I'm going Derwin James. Yeah, Der- Derwin James. Uh, I mean, got lost last year because of the hurt injury, but that's his it's rookie season, man. Oh God. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's he, a different he's breed. Really, he's really that guy. That's a different breed. Uh, for me, uh, of course, Gilmore is my number one. Yeah, South Carolina. You know, I got got to put off my boy. Um, I, I actually have Ramsey second. I, I I think you you mentioned a lot about him being. Being that big, being there, be that fast as well. I mean, when he came out in the, in the you know, draft prospect, it, it's a lot, everybody was like, "Man, was he gonna play corner or safety?" And I think he would have been an elite at either either position. So uh, I think I think Ramsey to me probably the most versatile because you can put him anywhere on the field and he can dominate. Um, for me, Jamal Adams is my number three. Uh, the Jets are crazy. Just like you, you talk about the 49ers not paying George Kittle, I think the Jets cannot. They if they don't pay. Jamal Adams, like they need to go ahead and fire the front office. Go and get it, go and get him out of here, cause this this is a once in a lifetime guy, and he he he's on the web on the pace to be a Hall of Famer. Um, four, I like I like Tre'Davious White. I think I think that's like Sean McDermott. That's why I picked the Buffalo Bills to be my surprise team. I, I thought he was he's he's just like the Ramseys and and, and the Gilmores to me. It's just maybe we don't watch him just like Kevin Bayard because he's in Buffalo, you know. So. Um, today's white one, be one of my favorite players, even back in college. Um, and then I also have Honey Badger as my number five, um, another guy who can do it all. And he's he's what, five eight, but he plays like he's six seven. So it's, right. it's, so is he he's he got a lot of heart in him. Um, I do want to throw out some some of this. So Byron Jones, you know, playing in Dallas, they play more of a cover three. Um, but now he's going to Miami, who I, I Brian Flores in the New England system with Gilmore. Do you do you think Byron Jones can uh, put himself up there? Because if you think about his body type, he looks just like them. Like he looks just like the guy in man coverage. And I, I'm interested to see if he can take away a whole side of the field because he didn't have to do that in Dallas. But I feel like yeah, you, you had to do your homework if you're gonna pay a guy six sixteen million dollars to do it. So do y'all think Byron Jones could? I mean, he might not be a top five, but do you think Byron Jones should be considered after this, this upcoming season? Yeah, I, I thought 2018 Byron Jones had just as good a season as anyone in the NFL. I thought I thought he played that well. Um, he's that he was actually asked for someone that plays more of a Seattle cover three scheme where where they are responsible for uh, on the outside like more vertical pushing routes. Uh, so even like you know if it's a five yard stop, still probably responsible for that um, unless it happens right now like a drag right now. So they still have like some man principles in that defense, but. Even then, they were asking him to do even more than that. They were having him follow guys. He had to guard Michael Thomas for an entire game. I thought he played exceptionally well that game. Um, 
Byron Jones, man, he has a ton of ability. I thought last year was he took a little step back. Uh, for him, I think it's really just kind of finding his way at that position because you know he played cornerback his rookie year. Then they moved him to free safety. Then they put him at strong safety. Moved him, yep. And, yeah, moving him. <laughs> and then they played him at corner again. Then they, you know, what I'm saying, oh, then now I'm not with the team. So like, I think for him it's just being getting that stability as I, I, I am a cornerback because you're not paying no safety 16 million a year. <laughs> so hey, I'm a corner. I'm getting paid 16 million a year and whatnot. Like now, go be that guy. And I, I think he has a really good uh, counterpart uh, there in uh, Xavier Howard. Uh, so yeah, now I, I really like it. I really like Byron Jones. If he had a great year coming up and they asked him to do a lot and he excelled at it, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I think he's really good. Yeah, I think he's in there. Tier two of DBs with you know, the Marshawn Lattimore's and guys like that, but he can definitely have a, a he can't elevate to the tier one level this year because, like you said, he has Xavier Howard, and then what the Dolphins are building, you know, defensive wise, like we were saying with Sherm earlier, it can make his job easier. So he right. could he so he could you know shine like you said with the stability of being the corner, he could shine and with their scheme things like that, he could elevate and have a, a tier one type of season. Right. Last thing before we go. All right, so me and Rashad, we, I, I'm the Julio guy. He's the Antonio Brown guy. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to pose a question to you and just see what you think. All right, so uh, we can we can say game on the line. Antonio Brown and Julio Jones are both on the team. Um, Y'all in the huddle. Your coach says, Eric, you got you got to guard the best guy, and you got to stop him, and I want you to guard him. Which side are you going to? Oh. <sighs> Well, I don't want to guard Julio. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think just from a physical opposing like standpoint, dudes are free. Like, that's the guy I don't want to guard at all. But I think it, when you just say just off of like what they've done and how this guy made a play, made plays at any time in the game, anywhere, all the time, at consistently an extremely high level, that's Antonio Brown. Like, I, I think you know if you talk about who's just the best, like as far as you know, because because you you look at like like like, you know, the argument of who's the top receiver ever, right? And you know, there's people that say Jerry Rice, and there's other people like, no, nah, man, he couldn't do what what Randy Moss did. But it's like it doesn't matter. Like he killed everybody, and he did everything at an extremely high level and was extremely consistent at it. And I think that's Antonio Brown in comparison to Julio. Who Julio is a scarier guy, right? Like I don't want to guard him, but. Brown, he's just the better, like he's just a great football player, man. Like, and it's really unfortunate with everything that's going on with him right now. Yeah, oh. exactly, man. Like, I'm, ho I'm hoping Russ gets him so that the vision can be. No, no man, you see, this not the NFC West, man. They're Bro. gonna get everybody. Bro, like, man, I'm, stop I'm, going to the Seahawks. Stop going to the Rams. Damn, stop going to the Cardinals now. Like DeAndre Hopkins is with there. Like, like it's like every year it's like somebody like, why is he in our division? Like clowning you, like. Why is Clowney on the Seahawks? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like every year the NFC West just gets these guys and it's like, stop coming to the <laughs> NFC West, Josh Gordon. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> now, it, maybe it doesn't always pan out, but it's just like, I see what y'all trying to do. Y'all need to cut it out. <laughs> like, that's, why, that's, that's why I like I always say NFC West the best because like teams make all those moves and like out of nowhere, like the Rams got Sean McVay and you see golf and the Rams take off and now the Cardinals could be a team on the rise. Add D Hop, you still got Larry. If Christian Kirk didn't get hurt, you know 
who knows how good he could have been. Like you said, Seahawks getting clowny. Yeah. So like, like I want to see. The only reason I want to do it, man, I just I just want to see Russ with an actual elite wide receiver. Like Doug Baldwin's cool, Tyler Lockett's cool, but when you got a future Hall of Fame like, are you gonna be disrespectful to DK Metcalf? That's why he ain't say it. Hey, <laughs> That's why he ain't say nothing. Hey, 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 hey DK is crazy. DK. But I want to I want to see Russ with like an AB man. Like I think that'll be. That'll be crazy if it did happen, but of course, you know he got his off the field stuff. But everything you said, man, I just think hey, Julio is a scarier guy because of his physical stature, the speed, and everything. But to me, AB can do all of that and more. He can get down the field. He can make crazy catches. Right. He, he's a his route tree is insane. His speed is insane. His quickness. You play like, big. You know, I, I know you guys. You know, the, doing the uh, uh, scouting, scouting academy, and everything. Um, I kind of have my own little things I go off of, and one thing is. You know, for uh, like I just have for when you're a big receiver, I require you to be able to play small in the sense of your movement skills and stuff like that. And that's kind of how I end up kind of like finding my rankings and stuff like mm-hmm. who's the big guy that can still move like a little guy. When you're a little guy, I require you to play big. So who's that little guy that plays still plays big to where, you know what, I'm still going to give you all that. Cause I don't care. I don't care what your size is. I just want good football players. Right. Yep. I just have my requirements. And I think when you look at Antonio Brown, I don't care that he's 5'10", because like you said, dude plays like he's 6'5". Like, like he makes contested catches. Like, he's going up over your head. Like, you know, he does all. He gives you all that and more. So, now nah, you're dead on with that, man. Like, for a guy that's small like that, and if you compare him, I mean, if you if you got him with, uh, goddamn, the best deep ball thrower in the league, Russell Wilson, like, that, that's tough because now he gives you everything and now that deep ball. Which he had a really good deep ball throw with, with Ben Roethlisberger. Big, 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 big. So yeah. kind of magic they made. Right. You know what I'm saying? That you give him Russell Wilson, who is even tougher because he makes a lot of off-scripted plays and right. will take downfield shots off-script. Um, that's really tough to defend. Yeah. I always tell people, like, when you – somebody who have a who has a problem with it off the field, whatever, and a team – like, cause think about it. Every team has a chance to get Antonio Brown, whether whether the league lets him play or whatever. Every team right now has the same equal chance to get him, and we're going to let him go to a Seattle. We're going to let him go to, you know, whatever whatever team that's that one play away. Let him go to get down Green Bay and play with Rodgers and, and Adams or something, and it's going to be over. Like, there's nothing, nothing we can do about it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the, a team like the Packers picked him up. <laughs> they ain't do nothing. That's right. They need they need to do it, man. They, they need, need to, to draft a receiver. A, they need to talk about trade for AJ Green or something, man. They need to give Aaron Rodgers some weapons bad. They cannot. Yeah. They cannot though. <laughs> not be fine with that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, yeah. but, hey, but I appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, we kind of, we we went long, man, but this is all good. I appreciate you. Oh uh, yeah, anytime, guys. Anytime. Glad to have you, man. And keep up the good work, man. Check out some of your stuff, man. I like it, man. So keep up everything, bro. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. There'll be a lot more good stuff coming. You know, I just been so busy the last month, but and launched this in the middle of it. But yeah, no, it's gonna be a lot of good stuff coming from you. Oh yeah, definitely stay safe, man, with the traveling and all you know, the whole COVID and everything going on, you know, just around the states and the world right now, man. So definitely stay safe and keep up the good work, bro. All right, thanks guys. But yeah, like I said, man, appreciate Eric Crockett for joining us, man. He he covered the 49ers for fourth and nine. Check him out on there. Um, you can also check him out on the CrockReport.com. He said he got a lot of big things coming, and we will be checking that out. Rashad, man, uh, yeah, you stay, stay safe out there, man, because the world right now, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, man, it's a lot going on right now, man. Just hope everybody stays safe and, uh, you know, 
that's all you can do, man. Stay, stay safe. Mind your business, bro. That's all you can do. <laughs> for real. For real, for real. All right, man. Preach, care, preach, we side. We out. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information appraisal and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing lender license in all 50 states and MLSConsumerAccess.org number 33.